Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour on the Super Talk Radio Network. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander. We're in the Southern Bank Corps studio here in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson, Southern Bank Corps studio in Laurel. We're glad you're with us. Also glad to say hello to Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Great sponsors. Opening segment of the Eagle Hour every day and a great place for you to take your family for a bang-up meal. And if you've got a big occasion coming up, whether it be for your business, your church, or whatever, Dickies caters, and they do a great job. They've catered baseball games for me, and uh, I can tell you that everything about it is absolutely first class. Golden Eagles win their 15th straight game last night as they beat Southeastern Louisiana 9-4 to in uh, Hammond. The Eagles captured the nation's leading 12-game straight road victory as well. They lead the nation in road victories, and that 15th straight win was a school record last night. Another great performance by uh, the nationally ranked and high-soaring Golden Eagles. Christian Ostrander is the associate head coach and pitching coach, and a big reason uh, that Southern Miss is ranked in the top five and uh now 33-8 and eight on the season. Coach, we talked to you before the season ever started about your staff, and uh, you expressed some real optimism that, um, you know, you had a really deep and talented uh, pitching staff. Uh, as a fan, what I'm experiencing has just exceeded every expectation I could have had. Uh, how do you see it, Coach? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I've always tried to be cautiously optimistic and uh, – you know, going into things, but, you know, also, like I said, kind of trusted, you know, what I, what I thought of these guys and what I saw and, and what I thought their potential was, but potential's great. You got to go do it. So I knew it was there and just to see these guys going out and performing and this team and the leadership and just everything, man, it's, it's, it's been really fun. What strikes me as an observer of the baseball team is a great example last night is you bring in a kid like Matthew Adams, who we really haven't seen much, you know, throughout the year. <laughs> And I, th- I thought he was just outstanding. I mean, he looked confident and he looked polished and he looked well coached and like a kid that was ready for his opportunity. Well, he was, and I was so proud of Matt. I mean, he he epitomizes, you know, what I've had to, you know, really consistently say or constantly say to the, the pitching staff is the guys that haven't gotten the reps that uh, they would like, which we all they're all competitors. They want to be out there, and I get that. I was there too one day as a player and. And uh, but very you know very aware of that and but he just really grabbed that you know by the horn and and, and just um, kept himself ready. What a great example for everybody else. You know, a guy that patiently waited and kept working while he waited, and, and um, you know got the baseball and went out there and did a great job and helped us win that ball game. So uh, very very proud of him and uh, not surprised. I mean I think, I mean it's just with you know the cookie crumbles sometimes who gets innings how where what I mean. It's, it's kind of crazy. How important is it uh, with all the tournaments looming now uh, to get as many of these kids on the field and get them some reps? Uh, how important is that to 
do that with as many of your pitchers as you can? I think it's extremely important because, you know, we all know that you, you, you're going to, at some point, you're going to get into your season where you're going to, you're going to empty the tank and, you know, and you're going to have to have guys step up and the ones that have gotten, you know, whether it's 10 innings or, or, or 12 or 15 or five, whatever it is, whatever that number is, it's all valuable and it helps them, you know, for, for, for later, for that moment when it comes. So, you know, in a perfect world, you can divide it up and everybody gets their fair share, but, you know, that's not realistic, and, and, and some guys get more than others, but uh, it's up to them. And Coach Barry does a great job of addressing it with them, and, and I feel like I stay on them as well of, of uh, you know, just stay ready. Stay ready. If you get if you get consumed with negativity and frustration, you're not going to be ready. And uh, you just got to you know, celebrate the victories and, and the team aspect of what we're doing and just keep yourself ready. When you're on the recruiting uh, trail, Coach Oz, right-handers and left-handers generally – are different in the sense that you've got a lot more flame-throwing, hard-throwing right-handers. More lefties tend to be finesse pitchers. Uh, first of all, true or false, generally speaking. And then how do you, with, with, the, with the talents and the skill sets being different from the right side and the left side, how do you go about figuring out which player throwing from either side is a right fit for you and your Eagle staff? Um, well, you know, first part of your question, yeah, it's probably true. There's probably more harder throwers, you know, from the right side, but that trend's changing a little bit in today's age, uh, you know, and stuff. So, but, um, you know, for me in the recruiting, it's, it's, you know, obviously you want to have some, you need to have some left left-handed weapons on your staff. You got to, because there'll be some lineups that you really, really need them to neutralize things and, and, uh, and stuff. So you want to have a, you know, a mixture of that, always try to have, enough or whatever and and you know quality left-handers are hard to find there's just not as many of them out there as are right-handers but you know in, in in the recruitment and trying to build your staff i mean you know there's a lot of factors i mean i, I like uniqueness i like you know different looks different um you know di- different tricks i kind of say maybe a below from this angle or a spin from this or or whatever it might be i mean there's a lot of things but Ultimately, though, it's, it's guys that you know have a, have have a presence and a feel for the strike zone. Why 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 technically do right-handers generally tend to throw harder than left-handers? You'd you'd think it would be six of one, half dozen of another, but it has not been the case in in the past ten years or so. Yeah, I don't have that answer. I would just say uh, population. There's more righties than lefties, and maybe that's why. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, I don't think there's a physical reason. Um, you know, I, I don't guess. I, I just don't know. Uh, that's a good question, though. Luke, get in here with Coach Oz. Oz, um, you are second in the country in WHIP, second in the country in ERA, second in the country of strike to walk ratio, third in the country in strikeouts per nine innings, and fourth in walks per nine innings. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm. I'm <laughs> Proud of that, you know, uh, humbled by it for sure, and that just tells you, you know, get good pitchers, man. They put up good numbers. Who is um, – when you look at a staff, right, you obviously got vocal leaders, you know, you got you – know, what, what's the – what's really the secret sauce or the glue or maybe a guy or a couple guys that necessarily don't pop off the stat sheet, but, man, they're so imperative to the staff? Or is that even a fair question? Well, it's kind of hard to answer that. I think all these guys – there is a there is a – competitive balance within the staff, uh, you know, I can see it. And uh, some of the best staffs I've been ever been associated with, you had that aspect of, 
you know, your starters want to outdo each other. You know, Tanner goes out and has a great Friday. Well, Saturday Riggins wants to try to outdo him, and then Waldrick wants to outdo him, and then bullpen guys, you know, if, if this guy closes out this game or does this and this, next guy. So it just kind of keeps them, uh, you know, keep them going. So they're feeding off of each other a little bit in the competition, and it's something that's very powerful. And, um, you know, even some of the guys that you don't see, you know, a whole lot of, man, they just they work their tails off and they're ready and they have good attitude. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of them. I really do. I think they all – serving their own own spot with this staff and, and, you know, from a leadership spectrum and, and so forth. But we have a lot of voices, to be honest with you, Luke, and, uh, and I'm glad that, you know, I think that's how it should be. I don't think one guy has to do it all. What is, I mean, the, the challenge of all these quality arms and, and basically protecting these guys, you know? And, you know, last night, you know, Ramsey, you know, I think he got up to 40 pitches, but it may just be like a midweek bullpen for him. I mean, how, how does that, you know, what's your approach to all that, making sure that you get the most out of them, but yet, you know, protecting them in the process? Well, obviously you got to be aware of it. You know, you don't ever want to tap. I, I don't like going into a weekend series uh, not at full strength, you know, come Friday night with your options. Sometimes you have to when you have those double midweek stuff like that. It just It is what it is, but – the single midweek games like last night, you should we should be able to, you know, minimize too much length out of one guy to where he's not available, you know, if you needed him on Friday or Saturday per se. So, uh, but definitely, you know, try to be aware of it. And, and with the staff of depth, I think it's it is a little bit easier to, you know, uh, space it out a little bit more, not have to just you know run one guy in the ground to death. Coach, uh, last night the last 15 batters for southeastern Louisiana facing Rhodes, Ramsey, and Harper, 15 batters, two hits, no runs. That's just that's been the story all year from your bullpen. They just suffocate the opponents. Yeah, that's we're very proud, you know, of what they've done, and that there's been you know many moments as y'all can obviously remember that just really saved us, you know, uh, of coming in and and limiting damage or putting out a fire and. Uh, Great teams have that, you know. Great pitching staffs have that, you know, those characteristics. Not just good guys starting the game, but uh, you know, guys that can come in and and shorten the game for you. You know, if a starter does falter, you know, kind of like last Saturday, you know, I think our bullpen covered the last what was it, you know, six and a third or, or something like right. that. And, right. uh, you know, so you know, you got to you got to win games different ways. You know, sometimes it's harder getting you deep or a complete game, and sometimes it's you know your bullpen uh, picking you up. So that's a great luxury to have. Landon Harper is one of the kids that Coach Oz has developed. We're going to hear from Landon and uh, get Coach Oz uh, to comment on that and have more conversation uh, with the associate head baseball coach and pitching guru. I think it's fair to say, Christian Ostrander on the Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, I want to thank you for tuning in across the Super Talk Network this afternoon. Also, remind you that the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast is available 24 7, 365 on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. 
Or you could just tell Alexa to play Super Talk Eagle Hour anytime, day or night, you would like to hear your choice of programs. We're talking to Christian Ostrander, who is the associate head baseball coach, pitching coach for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, who are now, it's unbelievable, 33-8, 15 straight wins, uh, ranked uh, anywhere from third to fifth, depending on what poll you want to look at. It's just been a magical year for the Golden Eagle baseball team so far. One of the kids that uh, Coach Ostrander has developed so well, and when this kid signed with USM out of Pearl River, he came on the Eagle Hour, and he made it clear to us that the reason he signed at Southern Miss is he wanted to play uh, for Coach Oz. Landon Harper, who Kelly and I have, uh, and uh, Luke, have uh, very fondly referred to as the dog. We found out Saturday afternoon he likes that. And uh, this is what he had to say about playing uh, with Coach Ostrander. We'll come back and uh, and get Coach's uh, observation of this. We're here on the Eagle Hour with Landon Harper, who we have fondly nicknamed on the Eagle Hour the dog. That doesn't bother you, does it? No, sir, it don't. I like that name, actually. You've just done a phenomenal job. You come in, and uh, we we pick a lot about the nickname, but you just have that kind of bulldog attitude, and you really attack batters at the plate, and you've had a lot of success. So your thoughts about where you are right now? You know, I like where I am. I'm, I'm very confident in my game, and I think that's, you know, where the dog mentality comes from and the dog nickname comes from because I'm just so confident and work hard and to be confident. My preparation is – phenomenal in my eyes you know so that's what I think I get my competitiveness and my successfulness from you know when we talked to you back when you signed out of Pearl River you made the comment to us that you really wanted to come be coached up and I think you described him as the wizard of Oz Uh, what have you learned from coach Oz man I've learned so much from little to big things man it's I mean it's crazy it's like I think I called him a guru when I was on the show last time and he really is like there's just so many things he the way he preaches the game and the way he preaches pitching is just so much different than other teams it's crazy and I, that's what i really picked up the most from it landon how are you guys blocking out all the noise there's a lot of national a lot of national noise about this baseball team how do you how do you keep that out of the picture you know just go go by it day to day you know just stay who we are and don't try to be anything else other than that you know because we have so much talent on this team it's insane all we have to do is work hard and play together and our you know our our uh, passion for this game is just you know unstoppable you know we can do whatever we put our minds to and however we want to play we can play we always got to keep that same energy regardless how has the experience of playing at pete taylor park in front of golden eagle fans been for you it's been phenomenal it's i mean it's nothing i've ever been in front of before until i got here and it's you know i love these fans you know they're they're awesome they're the best thing ever you know your mom. All right, uh, Coach. Uh, that's Landon Harper uh, Saturday afternoon, and uh, your, your thoughts about this kid? Is, is he the closer, or, or is our staff so deep that we have multiple kids that can come close out baseball games? You know, I think uh, you know. I think we we see and and how he's been used and stuff that he's. I'd say he is the closer for sure, but we have multiple, you know, guys that can do it. So you go into a weekend, you know, if he if he finishes on Friday night you know, and closes it down. I don't have to overuse him Saturday. I have another guy that can go do that. And and uh, then and, and then if Sunday gets there and those two guys aren't available, I have another guy that can go do that you know, possibly. So, um, you know, it, it's just a, it's a quality bullpen with some uh, with some stuff in it, you know, and some guys with, with good mentalities. 
to the man that I talked to uh, Saturday afternoon, you you guys on the staff have done a great job in keeping these kids focused. They uh, they all told me we don't care what the ranking is, we don't care anything about RPI. We just want to win the next baseball game. Yeah, I think it's right. I mean, it's it's you know, there's good leadership. There's some you know some elder leadership here. You know, uh, with Drew and. Uh, Danny and, and, and Will, and, and they do a great job. I hear them, you know, and, and stuff when, when they're breaking it down or whatever. You know, they'll they'll say things and, and, and stuff like that. Obviously, Coach Barry and myself and other coaches, you know, we're going to do what we need to do and, and say the things we need to say. But really, it's just not talked about a lot because it really don't matter. Because it's great for the fans. It's great for the program. Great for our university. It is. I mean, we, we're proud. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, we want nothing yet, you know, and uh, and we want to, and uh, we just got to keep going and have that attitude and mindset, and, and I think things will take care of themselves. Ironically, Bob, Southern Miss talks about winning each game. The folks in Ole Miss kind of have the same attitude, except they want to win any game. game. Any yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> but, but coach, and I get what you're saying, but you know, being ranked like you are right now is bringing a lot of positive publicity to the University of Southern Mississippi. You guys must you guys must be proud of that because it's just doing so much for the university as a whole. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, I mean, we're 100% proud of it, and we want it. All the people before, you know, us and, and we'll be after. I mean, you know, this is for all everybody that's involved with this university, the, the fans, the, the baseball program, everything. And, uh, you know, so, no, it's we want that. You know, these fans and this – uh, this school deserves that, and this program deserves it. But we don't. I don't we just we're just not thinking about it. We don't talk about it because it, to us, it's like that's great. But let's let's move the next one. Right. Let's Luke? focus on the next one. Yep, Coach. Uh, different way you're calling pitches this year, and I can't remember if when we had you at the Pete whether we talked about this or not. But on air, but I think it's intriguing for our listeners. I was sitting by my parents and my wife Saturday, and I was showing my mom. I was like, well, "Okay, watch eyes. He's going to get on you know this walkie-talkie." And you know, Blake's got an earpiece. Is is that di- has that been different for you? And and kind of like you know what goes on with all of that, or is it just as simple as it looks? God, it's just changed my life. I tell you, it's a. Uh... I love it. You know, I can't believe the last 20-something years I haven't been using something like that. I wish I could have, but uh, it's it's great. Uh, it's simpler. It, uh, I, have, I have less of a headache after the game because of it and look at, <laughs> looking at all those numbers. And um, and the communication aspect that I can have with, with Blake or, or Poach is, is great. I mean, you can be a little bit more exaggerated. You can be more emphatic, you know, animated, whatever. You can, you can direct them a little bit more like – you know, call a fastball in one-two zone, but make sure you're setting up middle because this guy's oh, ball yeah. runs so much. You don't want him to set up too far in and then get chased. You know, the you know the the ball runs into the hitter. Whatever, just little things like that. You can just be more, um, like I said, animated with it and, and descriptive, I guess. And you guys can set defenses that way too, like runners on the corners, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We can, uh, you know, and I'll, we'll, you know, I'll call in, you know, the bunt plays or the first and third plays to them to put on or whatever. So it's a, you know, a lot of good communication. You can t- say things to them like, "Hey, if the runner gets a good jump, don't waste a throw. Don't take a chance on throwing it away. Just whatever. Just good communication. The only thing they can't do, he can't communicate back. So he just, he's got to wear it sometimes. Sometimes I get a little frustrated. So uh, he's just got to listen to it. So. And, and really, when when you look at the roster of this pitching staff, it would not seem to me that this is a one-and-done kind of deal. I mean, the cupboards pitching-wise should be full, you know, again, barring injury or things like that. You, you're going to have these guys for a while, generally. 
Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I sure hope so. And, uh, you know, we'll see what uh, happens with the draft. And, and, you know, I think we got a few guys that, uh, that are draft eligible. They'll have a shot. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to see. And, um, you know, but, yeah, just right now we're just, you know, enjoying the ride and, and just trying to, you know, win, win this Friday. You know, that's our next goal. Coach, we, we, we do want to put it out there. We're going to start a GoFundMe, okay, because we don't know how much longer we can hide you from, uh, from other <laughs> programs and schools across the country, okay? So just at least let us be able to try to raise the funds needed to keep you at Southern Miss for a long time. Oh, well, I appreciate that. You give me way too much credit on this one, I promise you, man. It's just a fine group of young men working hard, and it's a great team and great – Great coaching staff here with Coach Barry leading the way. I mean, it's just glad to be part of it. Hey, before we let you go, Coach, uh, your thoughts about this weekend? I think uh, fair to say UAB's playing pretty well. That'll be challenging to go over there and take them on three times at their place. Yeah, I'm in the middle of my report now. I'm probably two two and a half hours into watching video this morning and uh, on their hitters and got about five or six more. So, but no, they got a good team. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers. I'm looking, you know, at the breakdowns and stuff, trying to come up with a plan. And uh, just like every Every game or any opponent, man, we we got to play well to win. You know, you're just not going to show up and win. So uh, we're expecting nothing more than a than a dogfight uh, come Friday in Birmingham. Coach, always a pleasure to have you on the Eagle Hour. Really appreciate your willingness to come on whenever we ask you. And uh, we're going to keep enjoying the ride, Coach, one game at a time, right? That's right. Well, we are too, and I appreciate you guys having me and appreciate y'all's support. All right. Christian Ostrander, everybody, associate head coach, uh, pitching. He did – I, I kind of think that embarrassed him a little bit, Kelly, but he is a guru. He he may be one of the two or three best pitching coaches in the country. Well, when he just – when he talked about talking to the, his catchers and setting up, you know, to a lot of non-baseball people, that was probably Mandarin Chinese, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're a baseball guy, you knew exactly what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's come a long way from a head baseball coach at Gulfport High School. Yeah. But how cool is that, though? I mean, the fact that you can – well, he can emphasize. I mean, that's the things you can't communicate right. in signals, like set up down the middle because this pitch is going to run in. Right. I mean, that's – that is part of the reason why perhaps, you know, that there's added success here. I mean, that's just one little factor you got to factor in all of this. Um, and Kelly, we're, we're happy to report on the Eagle Hour that the, uh, the, the first, uh, what, however much you want to pledge towards the Keep Oz fund, you've already donated it, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just uh, as long as you take a check, we're good to go. 33 and 8. Ranked fourth, fifth of the country, depending on what poll. This is some rod. Bring on the Vols, baby. We'll be back. I want to thank Christian Ostrander for joining us in the first couple segments. Great to have him on the show. Interesting uh, to hear him, you know, Landon uh, talking about it, Landon Harper talking about Coach Oz and what he's meant to him. Coach Oz just doing a really phenomenal job. This segment sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. That's where Kelly goes for lunch, Nine ninety five is good, isn't it, Kelly? And dinner. And, and sometimes dinner. breakfast. <laughs> Best poor boys you'll find in town. Always some good cold brew. And uh, 
And the big games always on the TV. And they'll be on when the, the Golden Eagles are playing at UAB this weekend. Fourth Street will be where all the Southern Miss fans no are hanging out. Wednesday, we go to New Orleans every Wednesday. That's where we find our buddy Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. All right, Patrick. You know, I've always been really excited about the NFL draft. Now that I no longer have a team, my, my excitement level is somewhat down. But uh, I'll be watching tomorrow night, and it's, this could be a big night for the Saints. Who I think they have two first-round picks. What do you think the New Orleans Saints are going to do with that? Uh, Mickey Loomis, the Saints uh, general manager, a long time. He's been there two decades now. Uh, he spoke this morning or afternoon, and he said that it, he kind of indicated that they're probably going to stay put at those two spots. You know, there's been some debate on them, say, trading up or maybe even trading back at some point if, if somebody doesn't really fall their way. Uh, but I think the indication is what he led on, at least, is that they plan to stay there at those two spots and, you know, get the best players they can. And everybody kind of assuming offensive line and, and receiver. I think some people even mentioned quarterback. He kind of, uh, Loomis was posed the question today about, you know, quarterback and any possibility of, of picking up one. And he kind of declined to speak on it. You just kind of smiled and said, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that. So, uh, I, I, you know, I'm I'm of the belief that this team is built to win now, and they and and one reason they haven't signed a receiver uh, through free agency is they think they can get a better deal uh, uh, by just signing, uh, getting a guy in the first round. So I, I think obviously receiver is one pick, and the other one most likely offensive lineman with maybe a smaller chance of a quarterback. So they really don't need defensive players much, do they? They have a really good defensive team. Yeah, in free agency, they really signed, you know, they tried to fill some holes there on defense, uh, through free agency. And, uh, I, obviously they'll, they'll probably make a pick or two. Possibly, I think if they do go, uh, with a defensive pick in the first round, which, you know, it can't be discounted, it, it, I would think it would probably be in the secondary, probably a safety. Uh, so that's, that's one thing to keep an eye on, but, uh, all indications are they'll probably, much of the, a good chunk of the draft will be about, uh, be about the offensive side of the ball. And I and I know it's all about the NFL draft tomorrow night. And lots of times you just have to let the draft come to you. You can have a list of potential guys you'd want, but if they're all gone, I mean, you have to be ready for every type of scenario. But meanwhile, quietly, Larry Fedora and the Breakers have put together a 2-0 record, winning big this past weekend. Are the Breakers getting any, t- any kind of traction in the Crescent City, Patrick? Uh, I mean, I, not not quite yet. I think the problem uh, with the USFL starting the first games are played on you know e- Easter weekend, and you know you had the PGA golf tournament. There's been a lot of distractions in this region uh, to kind of take you away from the the breakers in the USFL. So I, I would think maybe if the winds keep piling up. And I noticed they actually moved the breakers game from I think it was from Sunday to Saturday night. They're playing the the Birmingham team, the only other undefeated two and zero undefeated team. So uh, it's pretty obvious that they might be the best team in the league. Uh, the the Breakers are pretty well put together team, and just talking about drafts, it's, it's pretty obvious that Larry Fedora did a good job of uh, you know assessing talent and making a lot of the right picks in the draft. Because obviously they're probably one of the better teams in the league, if not the most talented. All right, so going back to the Saints again, by by what you said previously about them going with the receiver. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and potentially, you know, there's seven rounds in the draft, so a lot could happen later on. But they must be content and believe that Jameis Winston is their guy. I'm not sure that I'm sold on Jameis Winston as a guy that can take him to the Super Bowl, but what say you? 
Well, I think at least for this season, it's Jameis Winston's job. Uh, they've already signed Andy Dalton as a backup, so they're in a situation, I think, now uh, where they know who's going to be playing quarterback and who's going to be his backup going into this season. That's why I'm, I'm reluctant. I, I just don't see them going with the quarterback in the first round uh, when you can maybe get a guy just as good a quality possibly in the second, maybe even the third round. So, I, you know, yeah, they could go quarterback, but I, I don't think they're going to, you know, go in there and say, hey, this guy's going to compete with Winston for the top job, even if they get a Kenny Pickett or something like that. You know, obviously they're going to let him compete, but I think they're going in fully anticipating Jameis Winston is going to be the quarterback. I, again, I keep saying I, I would just be surprised if they draft a, draft a quarterback in the first round, especially this year where, you know, I like Matt Corral and some of the other guys, but I don't think they really have a, a home run guy that's going to be a, a franchise quarterback within, say, two or three seasons of being drafted. Luke? So, Patrick, um, I guess two-part question. Are they going to take the tackle first tomorrow night, or are they going to take the wide receiver? I'm tempted to think they will go wide receiver simply because it looks like kind of in the projections, Jameson Williams from Alabama are the two Ohio State guys, Wilson and Olave, could be there. Which one of those three would you want? Well, I think Olave uh, is the one that really stands out for me, the Ohio State receiver. Uh, I think he kind of he's a speed guy. He's fast. He's somebody that could complement Michael Thomas. I, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to go with a bigger receiver like the Arkansas guy. Uh, I think you know they need somebody fast and really run, runs good routes. So I think Olave is the one that really stands out, and he's really kind of been following a lot of projections uh, towards the Saints. So I, I think. It, whether they pick an offensive lineman or a receiver first, it, I think it all depends on who's there. If they have a receiver they really like, they'll go for him. But if you know, if pinning the the guy from Northern Iowa, if he's still hanging around at 16, and they think that somebody might want to grab him before that 19th pick, they could go for them. But I, I think if they have a receiver they're available that they really like, I think they go receiver first. But uh, I expect a lot of offensive linemen to go off the board early in this draft, so it may press them to go with an offensive lineman there at the 16 pick. Yeah, if if you get Olave, what happens at 19 if you know Northern Iowa guy's gone and Jordan Davis mm-hmm. from Georgia is still sitting there? Yeah, I mean it's it's you know maybe you are kind of forced to go with the, the best pick if you don't have an offensive lineman there that you really like. So, uh, it, you know, I, I think they feel okay with Hurst at left tackle. You know, I don't, I'm personally not a huge fan of that. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it would make sense if they really don't have an offensive lineman they want at either 16 or 19, uh, that they would take a receiver first and then come back and get really just the best, the, the most talented player. Or that, you know, at that point, they could easily trade back. Uh, if they don't really have somebody they want at 19, they could uh, 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 trade back and maybe pick up another. Uh, uh, second or third round pick, someone, or even later in the draft, something like that. So, there's always a possibility if they don't have somebody they really want at 19 that they would trade back. All right, who's the the number one overall pick going to be, Patrick? It's, it's up for debate. Um, I, I know uh, Thibodeau, uh, defensive end at Oregon, he's always been in the mix, but I think people kind of see him maybe drop back to two or three. I'm of the. Uh, uh, I think Thibodeau is the most gifted physically guy in this draft. So. If I'm the number one guy, I would probably take Thibodeau. Yeah. And where do the Bengals pick, Kelly? 31st. 31st. See what happens when you actually have a winning season? Well, see, they don't even know what to do. Sitting it just 31st. drops you down. And the Commodores, when do they pick? Do we know? Um, 
Well, the, the, you know they're they're taking Lionel Richie with their yeah. Washington the, football team. Hey, is you, that what you're talking hey, about? Me. <laughs> That's how they're going to do. It. Hey, you, are you referring to the hey, Washington me. football team? Yes, the Commodores. They're eleventh, and in one ESPN uh, mock pick, they actually have Derek Hamilton's son Kyle going there. For, oh, for I Notre hope Dame, that doesn't happen. Which would be a, if that? I mean, I don't see how he's falling outside the top ten, but. You know, but there's you, a, and and right in there too is is Charles Cross from Laurel, the offensive tackle. I tell you what, Patrick, if Charles Cross is still there at sixteen, I'm the Saints. I'm taking him. Yeah, yeah. If they have somebody of that caliber there at sixteen as an offensive tackle, they would absolutely do it. Well, Bob, it, it, uh, there's also reports that Washington uh, may take this, this quarterback called Norm Sneed. He's pretty good, I heard. Hey, Patrick, real quick. Kilmer's off the board. Going back to the breakers, I think this has kind of been lost on on some of our listeners. Cal Slaughter, who's the quarterback, I mean, had a tremendous career out in Colorado. I mean, he played for Southern Miss for three years as a wide receiver and a backup quarterback. Yeah, I remember being up practice and just seeing whenever Munkin was head coach, man, Slaughter just looks frustrated all the time. (laughs) He just he got kind of lost in that group, and then they moved him to receiver. He was always a good athlete. Uh, I was kind of surprised, you know, it took an injury at Northern Colorado for him to get the, the starting job there that senior season. So he really just kind of, you know, was kind of discounted by a lot of people, then eventually got a shot and just took off. He's he's a nice quarterback. It wouldn't surprise me if, if an NFL team tried to give him a look as, say, a third quarterback or something like that hmm. going into the season. So the Breakers are doing well. The Breakers may may, uh, may challenge for the USFL title. Yeah, USFL, where all Conference USA players and coaches go to yeah, stay exactly. alive. <laughs> hey, Patrick, we always appreciate your input. Look forward to talking to you next week about what the Saints actually did, and uh, we'll look forward to that conversation. All right. Thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody, from NOLA.com, and uh, we try to keep up with the Saints through Patrick every Wednesday. Well, Bob, the Hattiesburg American, which has the word yeah. Hattiesburg in its name. Luke's Who's got that? a little something to say about that. Yeah, we? we're going to take a commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to cut Luke Johnson loose, yeah. and he's got a legitimate gripe, and he'll fill in all those blanks, and you're going to want to hear what he has to say about a Hattiesburg-based newspaper not doing its job. That's- Quick, real quickly, he'll dunce it on the show Friday. It'll probably be uh, his record that goes down over the weekend out in Birmingham, but uh, we're excited to have Coach Denson join us Friday and look forward to that conversation. We'll be right back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Website dbathattiesburg.com. Proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Luke, Bob, and Kelly from the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. Golf right now. Hey, guys, in the Conference USA Men's Golf Championship, of course, um, 13 teams competing. Top four move to match play tomorrow. We told you yesterday Southern Miss uh, moved up to second, and right now they are only two shots behind FAU. Southern Miss two over today. FAU four over for the day for the tournament. FAU at five under. Golden Eagles at three under. They're all in the back nine. 
Bryce Wilkinson has uh, four holes left. Hunter Atkins and Robbie Ladder have uh, two holes left. A couple more Eagles have three holes left. It's all going to be decided here in uh, in really the next hour or so. So Golden Eagles trying to make a push uh, to uh, to finish um, this part of the tournament, number one, and that would be a tremendous credit. Right now, they are second. Um, updated uh, regional projections from D1 Baseball. Southern Miss listed as a five national seed. Louisville would be the number two. Alabama, the number three. Alabama State, the number four. Let me tell you who wouldn't even know about that or even care about that, guys, would be the newspaper in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. The Hattiesburg American, which is, of course, owned by the Claren Ledger. Now, basically, if you go to their Twitter feeds, you know, they have news stories all the time. I went back to, like, April the 1st or, or March the 31st. There's a few stories about Southern Miss, um, like game time announcements. There's a look at Coach Barry, and there's a look at Will McGillis. Later this month, there's a couple mentions about the $150 million fundraising. But, guys, since the April 15th weekend, which was the weekend that Southern Miss moved into the top five and first time highest ranking in, in school history for baseball, since that day, there has only been one mention on the Hattiesburg Twitter profile. And this are, these are the stories that they're pumping out, that they link you to. The mention was because one of our uh, commitments from Northwest Rankin High School had a good weekend, so the word Southern Miss appeared. Since that time, there have been five articles on Mississippi State baseball, five articles on Old Miss baseball, three articles on on Ole Miss football, and three articles on Mississippi State football. But nothing on the fourth-ranked team in the United States of America. What is going on, Hattiesburg American? You might as well just close the doors and don't even call yourself. You're not American, and you're not caring about Hattiesburg because you could care less about Southern Miss. We sure wish somebody from either one of those publications. You're welcome on the Eagle Hour to explain to our listeners and all of Golden Eagle Nation why you don't give a rip about the fourth-ranked team in the country, the end. Well said. They talk about buying pers- or subscriptions, selling subscriptions. It's my assertion that if they covered more Southern Miss athletics, they might sell some more subscriptions. I think we all know the newspaper industry's dead. Uh, the Hattiesburg American probably died when Chuck Abadie left, and uh, you had a real sports journalist uh, working for the paper uh, unfortunately, for and I haven't kept up with the uh, Gulf Coast paper since Patrick left. Patrick did a good job of covering Southern Miss sports. I would assume that he does uh, a good job down there. That the Sun Herald continues to do it, but really, the Clarion Ledger and the Hattiesburg American, for all practical purposes, are dead. They're relics of the past. Their their official bio on their Twitter profile: "Your source for news in and around Hattiesburg and the Pine Belt." I would add in parenthesis, except Southern Miss. Yeah, who pays any attention to that anymore? Do you, Kelly? You, well, some, I, I get, sometimes I buy get some fish that I need to have wrapped, and like, like I don't, I don't. My whole point is, I know I was just passionate. Part of it is just it's it's I'm being extremely sarcastic because it is. It, what do you? Th- I mean, what, do you even have a pulse? I know it's probably some intern in Oklahoma that's like putting out that stuff. No, but I think to- I for but what how I, tone deaf can you be? It's a legitimate complaint, Luke. Legitimate, no, no, no doubt. No and no, I don't subscribe to them. No, no I don't. But because somebody earlier hit me on social media, well, just unsubscribe. I don't subscribe to them. 
I just think it's incredible. It's it's just hilarious that the state newspaper and the local newspaper can't even mention the fact that Southern Miss is a top five baseball team in a historic year. The end. Promise. No question. All right. Uh, good shows coming up the rest of the week. Uh, we'll have the Montenegro brothers, the most popular two brothers in Hattiesburg, no doubt. They'll be on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. Had a great conversation with those two kids. He returns tomorrow. Who? Kelnack. For sure? Kelnack now, will be here tomorrow. We've in, gotten confirmation. In fact, he and the camel are camped just outside well, of the city limits, I understand. Okay, all right. Yeah, I think Kelly, he's definitely going to be here. Yes. And you aren't getting paid for the next month to cover this appearance fee, so just want to prepare <laughs> you for that. <laughs> no worries. Uh, Friday, we're going to have a Southern Miss super fan from uh, Louisiana. We're going to start talking to some of the fans around the country. And uh, we're going to have Hill Denson. What a great conversation that will be. Coach Denson, uh, <laughs> the all-time winning coach, uh, until the next time the Golden Eagles win a game. So when you talk to him Friday, he could be a has-been. <laughs> no, he'll never be that. <laughs> no, no. He'll never be that. Hill Denson Friday, we look forward to that. The Montenegro brothers. And the mystical man from the East on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. Don't miss it. It's going to be really, really good, I hear. Southern Miss. To the top. Into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. Into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.